Transition Solutions. My name is Kevin Fandel, and I'll be your host for today's program. Today I'm joined by Elena Price, um, a real estate agent in the greater Boston area, uh, affiliated with Caldwell Banker, but as we'll talk about during the course of our conversation, also has established herself as an independent brand and a major player in the Boston real estate market. Elena, welcome. Thank you. It's, thank you for having me. You're welcome. Good to have you here. Um, let's just go back a little bit in time um, in terms of your early career and how did you decide to pursue the real estate business? Uh, I was in college. I went to Northeastern in Boston and they were offering a real estate class and I thought it might be fun. It was in the mid 80s, mid to um, upper 80s and uh, the market was very, very, very active at that time. So I thought, well, I could do this part time while I go to school and and so that's really how it started. Wow, okay. Um, so you finished school and you're you're dabbling in it before graduation mm-hmm. seem to have planted some seeds longer term i actually um was thinking i might want to go to law school so as i was investigating that i decided to go full-time with real estate and what happened was i just decided never to leave mm-hmm. <laughs> 28 mm-hmm. years later so wow. i know wow wow good um So from your perspective now, a number of years in and having been successful in the field, what do you think are the personal qualities and the keys for success for someone choosing early in their work life, choosing at a a younger age to pursue real estate? You have to be able to have a lot of patience. Mm -hmm. You have to um, be a very, very good listener. Um, and you have to be respectful of the individual situations that you encounter with every Every person, every situation, every house, every yeah, you know. yeah, okay. And, yeah, um, yeah. you can't be too analytical. You can't be too impatient. You can't um, rush things. It has to be truly on the timetable of your client within reason. Yeah, um, I think that's a really good point because as as I think of it, you may be working, and I'm just making up numbers here. You may be working five, six, ten deals at a time and each of those gets you know some appropriate degree of attention but for each of those sellers or buyers they're working one deal at a time so well and that's right. the, and that's very true and yeah. that is very you know very often i may be carrying you know 20 30 40 listings at one right. time yep. and and yep. have 10 15 20 sales going on at the same time so you've got yeah. to be able to really handle that appropriately so mm. that everyone feels mm. as though they're getting the same level of service. Right, right. Wow. Um, I think a lot of our listeners have a sense of what's involved in becoming a realtor, quote-unquote, but um, if you can just walk us through the, the licensing and credential process, because I do think that um, many people are actually misunderstanding what's involved. So tell me about starting in real estate in terms of those licensing and credential factors. It's very easy to get your license. You can actually do it online, which I think might be a little bit of a detriment to the field, but mm. um, because it is so easy, once you're licensed, you then become a sales agent, at which time you can affiliate yourself with a company and um, sell for two years. And if you choose to continue or open your own firm, you need to then go on for another um series of uh, classes to get your broker's license. 
the state of Massachusetts, as a lot of other states, require continuing education every two years to stay licensed. Hmm. And if you really want to uh, try to um, specialize in a field, you can then take designation courses or certification courses on top of that so perhaps you'll become a new home specialist or elder oh. care specialist or um C commercial commer commercial yeah yeah, yeah. Okay. so those are designations that you can uh continue education with interesting and i think fairly few few people know that that even for the baseline certification um, is the two year does that apply to the um, the first level license also or is it just when you get your broker's license does it apply in order to get your broker's license the state requires you to be, be licensed as a sale right. agent as a right. full-time sales agent affiliated with a um, company for at least two years I see. I see. and then okay. you apply yeah. and yeah and go for the testing yeah and then after you finish and get the broker's license then there's still there's still expectations for the continuing, continuing edu education yes and again yeah. keeping up with just the times in terms of being designated as a specialist in some field right right if you can give us kind of an inside look into the real work a, a, a daily weekly or monthly routine um, I don't really know how to describe where it might begin, but it's just in, in someone calling up the office saying, we're going to move, and I've heard good things about the firm. It's just So you get that phone call, and tell me what happens. Sure. Uh, generally, if somebody calls and perhaps they're interested in uh, putting their home on the market, I would usually do a little research before I go out there, maybe drive by, maybe take a look online at the activity that's gone on in the neighborhood, and then meet with them, take a look at the house, find out what their expectations are, um, and then go back and really prepare for them um, how their house fits in today's market. Uh, the timing, when to put the house on, the preparations that will be needed to get it on the market, uh, just pricing, of course, and um, and then, you know, it, it's also important that you have skills so you can differentiate yourself from other brokers they might be interviewing. Interesting. Yeah, yeah. usually yeah. people will interview a number of agents. What kinds of things are differentiators? Probably how you market your homes, um, the length of times your homes stay on the market versus somebody else's, mm. the uh, list-to-sell ratios of what you're listing at and what they actually sell for. Oh, okay. You okay. Know, how you market. Marketing is extremely important, especially in today's world with all the access that the buyers have. Mm -hmm. um, your networking skills, your past experience, your ability to, uh, I think one of the most important things to note is you've got to be able to make sure the house closes. So you've got to have experience with the step-by-step -step operations. So to answer your question of a daily, yeah. someone wants to put it on the market, that's how you start. Right. And right. then you, of course, would go through that process of once it's on the market, showing the home and giving feedback and sharing with the seller mm -hmm. what other people are saying about the house. And then from there, you would go to hopefully present 
presenting an offer and making sure financing is in order and making sure that um, the offer is reflective of the true intentions of the buyer and going through the inspection and the appraisal and getting it to close. So a couple of things caught my ear there. I'll go with the, the last one first. What do you mean when you say the offer expresses or reflects the true intention of the buyer? Well, many times in busy markets, active markets, in order for an offer to be considered, buyers might put terms in there that sound extremely appealing up front. But when we get to the second half of the offer, which is the purchase and sale, Mm -hmm. those terms can change. And you just want to be careful of that. So it's really important that as a selling agent... Um, for a listing agent for the seller that you make sure that those everything that's being presented is in fact the case I mean you obviously can't change a if something happens by surprise but you just need to check Mm. all the boxes that's a really good kind of insider's perspective to be honest with you Um, people would put terms in the initial term sheet just to get just to get the earnest money phase started that doesn't really take it off the market because it's not the pns but it's kind of heading that way mm-hmm. and you don't want things to change in phase two and who knows what could change before it closes yeah sometimes hmm. you know in a busy market we might get an offer that doesn't necessarily talk about have the buyer having to sell his other property or they say they're not going for financing only to find out they are and just certain things so you just want to be i i you know in having done this for 28 years right. I'm just very attuned to different scenarios and just want to make sure that the seller is protected mm-hmm. throughout the process. Mm-hmm. Location, of, is, is it still a big thing or not as big a thing? Or? Oh, location is very important. And, you know, living in New England, we have small towns and some of our agents tend to work just one town or mm-hmm. one area. But honestly, to be able to grow your business you've got to be able to step outside of your small box and kind of venture out to different locations so you know longest running agent in one town might be a good thing but in today's world you probably want to have other experiences in other locations good point so tell me a little bit more about the attorney's role So the attorney generally will get involved once an offer is accepted. Sometimes they'll even step in a little bit before that. But usually they're representing the client either on the selling side or the buying side by preparing the purchase and sale agreement and uh, doing their diligence for the property to close. I see. Okay. So is it... They don't get involved in the financing unless they need to. Right. And hopefully they don't. Right. So does the... Does the realtor working with the seller do any financial verifications of the buyer? So usually what we like to do, I know before I start working with any purchaser, I usually like them to talk to a couple of different lenders to see where they fit in the market, see what they're comfortable with, see what kind of programs they qualify for so that I have a good idea of what I'm working with. If I am representing the seller, then I will perhaps check with um, who they're pre-approved with and call their lender and get a good feel for 
for what their situation is. Okay. That, the latter scenario was what I was really interested in. Mm-hmm. Um, but it brings up the question, in what percentage of your business is a buyer's agent relationship and how does that work in terms of the the selling the sellers realtor etc tell us about that sure um my my role is primarily i would say a a listing agent Mm -hmm. um i tend to list properties and i'm most comfortable in that role however i do have buyer clients and i will work with them if they want to have a commitment with a buyer agency agreement, usually they're the sellers of people whose homes I just sold or they're mm. people who have been referred to me. But um, the fact of the matter is if I feel I can't take care of a buyer the way they need to be, then I do have a team of people that will help me. I have two uh, gentlemen that I work with in the office and they I just segue Mm. them in so that they can spend the time that's necessary. Some people require a little more time than others. Mm. Um, As you as you explain that, I I can I see the situation differently because the if you're working as a buyer's agent, you're exploring numerous properties, and when you're working as a seller's agent, you're representing the one representing the one property, Mm -hmm. right? right. Yeah. Okay. Another thing that caught my eye about uh, when I was re- reading your profile and learning a little bit about the business here is you have struck a very nice balance between being affiliated with a top shelf firm, Caldwell Banker, and having your own brand um, in the greater Boston area. Tell me a little about why you invested so much in your brand and how unique is that in your sense of at least the Northeast? So um, I moved, we were relocated a couple of times and when I moved, at one point we were uh, relocated to Atlanta and because nobody knew who I was and I was selling real estate, I got my license and I didn't know where I was, I thought the best way for me to sell myself to people was to be affiliated with the top firm in that area Um, and I did the same when I came back here so um, it was truly a business decision where I chose to be with the most professional top-ranking company where most of the top agents were Mm -hmm. and I did that each time I switched companies due to moving but what happens with that is once you start getting busy and building your own reputation, you then want to try to separate yourself at some point so that people look at you more as the individual and not just the company. Mm. So when a call comes into your office, in quotes, mm-hmm. <clears throat> is it coming into Caldwell Banker or is it coming into Elena Price Realty? It's coming directly to me. I see. Directly to me. Emails directly, texts directly, yes. Okay. Um, So what does Caldwell Banker have to offer you that makes that affiliation productive? So Caldwell Banker is uh, internationally known. Yep. And so our resources in terms of networking are wonderful. They're also... Um, very, they're very big proponents on making sure their agents are properly trained. Mm-hmm. 
So at least you know when you're working with a Cobble Banker, another Cobble Banker agent, chances are they know what they're doing, which is okay. nice. Yeah, <laughs> that helps. Yep. They um, because they're so large, uh, they're owned. Uh, they they tend to spend money on um, marketing, and they they're very good with assisting agents in in terms of. Of what they can offer. So um, do they have they have more expansive market data or? Yes, a lot of mar- market right. data, okay. um, market marketing departments, yeah. um, education departments. That it's a it's a big company. Yeah. Um, so to kind of put it in the flow of the business, do you get listings from them? Do they do they contact you saying we have a? No, two- I wish. <laughs> no, really? Okay, all right. No, every single. That's the thing about um, real estate. Is your business is truly based on your efforts? Wow. Okay. Truly, a hundred percent. Yeah. So. Do you pay Caldwell Banker to be affiliated with them? Yes. You do. I see. Okay, so they get a portion, perhaps. Oh, more, yes. They get a portion of, yep. of every sale. Mm-hmm. So. And in return, you have office space, you have administrators, oh. you have the use of their computers, the use of their oh. marketing department, the use of their. All the infrastructure. Yep, their legal department, if necessary. I mean, you yeah. have the right. Uh, okay, that really I think that really helped our listeners. Um, that makes it much more clear. You have access to their resources and infrastructure. Mm-hmm. Um, you get your own listings, mm-hmm. and a, a percentage of the closed deals mm-hmm. goes from you to them to, to pay offset for that, to offset that infrastructure yep. Expense. support. Yes, okay. absolutely. Okay. Nice. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so tell me about uh, technology in the field. Um, maybe first from a buyer's perspective. So how has technology changed the way people buy houses? It's it's changed the industry tremendously to the point where buyers are now doing initial research on their own and actually don't even call an agent until they're ready to either A, look at something or B, purchase something or C, seriously start the purchase process because they have so much information at their fingertips. And so therefore, before they start, you know, it used to be a very meet and greet, lengthy type of process when somebody wanted to buy a house. And now I get calls from people who basically will say, I've seen your profile, I'd love to work with you, we've been looking online, we've been going to open houses, and we would love for you to show us this house. Hmm. Okay. Um, in some aspects of the internet, <clears throat> it's, you know, a little knowledge is a dangerous thing, oh. or, or you know, the current <laughs> phrase, I'm sure, will be fake news, mm-hmm. make fake real estate data. Has it, has it spawned false expectations or misunderstandings absolutely it's it's actually a little harder for us now because we're constantly having to um, substantiate uh, our knowledge based on what's being put out there Um, i have had many a discussion with purchasers who will tell me that one website values a house at X and yet we're offering it at Y and why are we doing that and I try to explain that 
that wasn't a viable source of data that you know so it's 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 gets into that type of conversation many times mm, okay and you have more sophisticated buyers and less sophisticated the less mm -hmm. probably don't see that mm -hmm. image that picture is clearly the more sophisticated ones can do the reasonableness check yeah know what's out of bounds kind of thing interesting um Tell me from the seller's perspective, how has the internet, how has technology changed? Well, there are all these websites that offer um, these value range programs where you can plug your house in and it tells you what your house is worth and then they call you and their level of expectation is here, you know, up here and you're coming in, well, the last five homes in your neighborhood only sold here. So, and it's, it's really sometimes difficult for people to realize that, um, that, you know, and again, you have to try to make them understand that the information they're getting is not accurate. It's it's, it's not firsthand. Right. It's you know might have been pulled from a town's assessor's office four years ago, and you know so and averaged yeah. against the last twenty four months of sales, which mm. is not viable. Right. Right. Um, yes. The the comp you know is kind of a fundamental data point in, mm -hmm. in these transactions, an accurate comp, and um, drawing it from a bunch of different you know, remote web sources and then kind of just ginning it together yes. isn't going to work. <laughs> right, right. Um, but people can get very locked in on they, especially when it's a favorable analysis. Oh, yeah. You know, it's, like, <laughs> it's got to be right. <laughs> well, and that's the thing. I mean, unfortunately, in my business, sometimes pricing can motivate a seller to choose an agent over someone that might be more qualified to sell their home, but the other price came in higher, and so the, you know, so you just, it, it happens. It's the way of the world, yes. Yeah. So one last aspect about technology and the role that that's played. We talked about the sellers, the buyers. How about the agents themselves? How, how are they set in the realtor, real estate environment in technology terms today? Well, the fact of the matter is, as much data as we all have, real estate is truly a very person-to-person -person type of field. And honestly, if you haven't been in the homes that you're talking about in terms of comparables, and you haven't met the people who were buying these homes so that you know who that market is and you're not involved on a personal level it's very difficult to make a case as to why a home should sell at a certain price or why a buyer should agree to pay a certain price you really do have to have that uh, hands-on uh, information that you've you've gained only through experiencing it through walking through the homes, meeting the buyers in person, and seeing what's selling out there. Uh, that's a really good point. It is to an extent data and the way technology makes data available to everyone, um, but it's also the judgment that distills data with personal experience um, and presence in a market that distills that down to a to an intelligent recommendation. Mm -hmm. Absolutely, a hundred percent. Yeah, nice. Moving on from the technology uh, topic, another aspect of real estate that I think is um, mystifying to people is how are multiple offers queued up and handled to resolution? Yes, absolutely. And we've been very fortunate to experience that. I will tell you 100% they are based on 
obviously the inventory, if the inventory is low and the buyer pool is high, but also pricing. If somebody is looking in the market and you put a new property on and you price it at a rate where the buyer sees value, they will come in right away with a very strong offer. And then oftentimes multiple offers happen because somebody else sees it and other people and then they all come in and the way you would handle a multiple offer situation would be to give it a deadline so that perhaps they're all received by a certain time to give people a a chance to pull their finances together and get all the paperwork in and then sit with the seller go over the terms you know the if you have any background on each buyer and kind of share with them Hmm. what your thoughts are based on you meeting those buyers through the the other agents and then hopefully working with the most qualified uh Hmm. So, so that brings that's a that's that's really helpful. So, when when we are hearing and saying offers, is is it an offer just to secure a P and S, or is it even for is it even? Further? Some offers have no contingencies, um, but yes, you always have to sign a purchase and sale. Okay, so when you have multiple offers, you have multiple purchase and sales. Oh uh, no, multiple offers that lead to a purchase and sale. Ah, yes, okay. yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, so a house has an open house on a Sunday afternoon, and mm-hmm. uh, and fifteen people come, and thirteen maybe, love the, love yeah. the place and stuff. Okay. Yeah, okay. Um, you know, multiple offers are pretty prevalent in lower price ranges, but there have been occasions where you put a home on in the multi-million range, and just because it's so beautiful and it shows well and it's in the right area, mm-hmm. you can get people multiple offers. Wow. Mm-hmm. Okay. What are the differences between selling a $350,000 split level in a suburb and selling a $2.5 million condo in Brookline? Sure. It's it's the buyer, who the buyer is. Um, and you have to be educated enough in both marketplaces to know how to attract those buyers. Um, when you're selling something, say, that's under a million dollars in the greater Boston area, you want to make sure that the property shows well, that it's priced well, that it's been maintained and is priced to a level that will hopefully, like we've been talking about, bring multiple prospects to the table. Mm -hmm. Um, When you're dealing with something in the two million range, it's just as important to make sure it shows well, it's in the right area, it's priced to sell, and you're getting, you're attracting the appropriate buyers to that property. Mm -hmm. Um, it's, It's more who your buyer is than what the listing is because somebody who's looking at a $350,000 property may look at a condo for 2 million in Brookline but probably not right. unless unless they're buying it for their children right. or vice versa that's, so that's, yeah, yes and i have true. had that many a time so i some people it i think it's a disservice to your business if you pigeonhole yourself into one price point. I have sold many, many people $300,000 condos only to find out their parents are looking somewhere else. And because they were happy with the way their children were treated, they call me to make the next step. So, Mm -hmm. I, I mean, you can often, you might be selling a 
uh, house in one of the suburbs for three million dollars, only to find out that they like to pay, they like to purchase multifamilies in the city. So you, it's it's really a, a, a good practice to keep your options open and not to pigeonhole yourself in one price range, thinking that's how you're going to make it. You yeah. know. Yeah. Yeah. You want to be credible in, in every place you do business, yeah. but that the credibility doesn't have to come from, you know, pigeonholing mm-hmm. and just going narrow but deep. It, it can come from being broad-based as well. Mm-hmm. Nice. nice. Yeah. Um, before we started taping, you had a phrase or a sentence which really caught my ear. You said um, a lot of people, a lot of people think everyone thinks they can get into real estate. Um, it's easy to get into real estate, but it's hard to be successful. Mm-hmm. And Absolutely. As, as we wrap up, tell me about that's that's a great phrase. Tell me about that. Well, unfortunately, our industry gets a little bit of a bum rap because there are so many licensed real estate agents who don't really work. And you know, if if that's the level of professionalism that you're consistently seeing, you're probably not going to have a large respect for the people who do. I mean, to be very honest, real estate is 100% seven days a week. I can have an 8 a.m. appointment because someone wants to see me before they go to work and then work all day and then have a 7 o'clock appointment because someone wants to see me after work and then go home and answer 50 emails. So not to mention all the missed calls and the texts and the weekends and the missed sports from your children yeah, and the missed yeah. dinners. and the yeah. so, uh, it, so that's the level of consistency that an effort, an effort. an effort that is made to be successful and to do what you're supposed to do because honestly if i don't answer an email or go on an appointment then i risk something not coming together which is not what ultimately you should be doing so you can't do this part-time you can't yeah. do this three days a week or no weekends for me or no nights for me no. i mean you just can't if you're going to do it at a level where you're respected and your professionalism is appreciated and understood right well this has been great well thank I, you for I, having me well thank you for joining us um it's a profession in a world that I think everyone thinks they know, but they, as I've sat here now and talked with you and in preparing for this, really don't have much of a clue most of the time. So, um, Elena Price, great to talk with you. Where can people go on the web to learn more about your business? I have my own website. It's um, elenaprice.com. Thank you again. Thank you. Okay. Okay.